0: From executive search to talent strategy, leadership development, rewards and succession planning, Corn Ferry can help you realize the full potential of your people. So you can take your business where it wants to go, up. Learn more at KornFerry.com slash up.
1: The president-elect of the United States, Donald Trump, has been accused of sexual harassment by multiple women. And he also used language in his campaign that would be considered sexual harassment in the workplace. Given that Donald Trump is now the example of leadership in our country, it got us thinking about the state of sexual harassment in the workplace. This is Game Plan. I'm Rebecca Greenfield, a reporter for Bloomberg, where I cover the workplace.
2: And I'm Sam Grobart. I am a writer for Bloomberg Business Week magazine.
1: So sexual harassment is not just a campaign issue, it's not just political, and it's definitely not just unique to Donald Trump.
2: It's certainly not. And I think what's interesting about a lot of the things we were hearing about Trump was how blatant it was, how sort of it seemed over the top. And And I remember feeling like I couldn't believe that this sort of behavior was still happening in 2016.
1: Yeah, I, I felt that way too and feel that way about sexual harassment in the workplace where it's not... I don't expect to work in a workplace where that is appropriate at all. I don't even really think that that's possible now. You know, I I watch Mad Men and I think that is a time long gone and I will never, like Joan, have to sleep with somebody to get the client.
2: And yet we hear stories out of Fox News and other places where this kind of behavior seems to be happening, well, up until very recently, up and maybe it's still happening.
1: Yeah, I think it is still happening. I mean, I think a lesson with Fox News was that we didn't hear a lot of the stories.
2: The thing about Trump's rise to the White House, combined with his what would appear to be documented history of sexual harassment, it ties the two together and it makes it basically acceptable. It, it certainly does not make it disqualifying. It basically says you can do these things. You can act this way to these people and you can achieve the highest office in the land. I mean, you couldn't really have a more stark cause and outcome, really.
1: Yeah, and I think that was something that I read over by Susan Antilla at The Street, which is a website that covers finance. She talked to an employment lawyer who said that we model our behaviors after leaders we see. So even if you're not like specifically thinking like, oh, Donald Trump, president, if I want to become president, I should call women certain things, but you unconsciously just... It becomes appropriate.
2: Yeah, those two, again, those two things sort of become decoupled and it does not seem to be an impediment. Here's a very public example of it not serving as an impediment Clarence Thomas got on the Supreme Court. Donald Trump got into the White House. I'll be politically egalitarian. Bill Clinton got into the White House. You know, you can do this and it's okay. It was okay in 1992, it's okay in 2016.
1: But it's still, to me, as somebody who works, feels like things have changed. I want to feel like things have changed.
2: Right. And I think that they have. Right. But I guess that really depends on where you work.
1: Yes. And also what you consider harassment. I mean, it's, it is black and white. But I think to the people being harassed and the harassers, it can be really confusing.
2: Right. And this, to me, I feel is one of the bigger problems, is that I never have to think about sexual harassment as far as it being done to me. But I would presume, Becca, that you do think about it. And the fact that you do think about it means that's part of your brain that should probably be spent on other things. There's just like the tyranny of having to think about it at all.
1: Yeah, I can think of two things. One is sometimes second guessing and thinking, oh, was that sexual harassment? Did that person harass me? Am I overblowing it? which usually means you're not, but that feels horrible. And then also I want to talk about one of my previous half-baked takes where I talked about how I didn't really like it when people complimented people on their looks at work. And I think that probably, I know that comes from a place of me really wanting people to take me seriously outside of the way I look because I even have to think about that as a woman.
2: And just for listeners who are not familiar with that half-baked take.
1: In that half-baked take, I, I said that I... That people shouldn't compliment each other on their looks at work.
2: And that you includes just, clothing, that just, clothing and, and haircuts and, and glasses,
1: accessories, updates. <laughs> um, just because I think it's better to not. I think it can make people uncomfortable. And when I said I think it can make people uncomfortable, I mean I've been made uncomfortable by that when men have done that to me. Right. Do I think that they're evil sexual harassers who need to be fired? No, I don't. Right. But it definitely comes from a place of having to think about it and trying to shield myself from something.
2: Again, that's just like another process that you have to be aware of that, you know, guys don't.
1: And that's lucky of me. You know, there are women who are harassed at work. And to talk more about that, we have with us Claire Suddeth, who is a reporter at Bloomberg Business Week, who for the last few months has been talking to almost 20 women about the various ways they've been sexually harassed at work. Thanks for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you've talked to over a dozen women who've been sexually harassed at work. Yes, I have. And their stories have ranged from mildly infuriating and
0: frustrating to absolutely tragic where you don't think that this would still be happening.
1: Do you want to give some examples of the tragic things that are still happening?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when the Roger Ailes news hit with Fox News, that was the very classic um what legal experts call quid pro quo harassment where A man in position of power tells his underling, sleep with me, or you lose your job, or you don't get your raise, or or whatever. That is sort of the classic standard harassment. Then there's also what is known as hostile work environment, which is where you're not requested to do sexual favors or anything like that, but it's pretty much made clear to you that you are being objectified, or comments are being made about you, or maybe you're touched in a way that you don't want to be touched, and it just makes it very difficult for you to do your job with any sort of level of comfort. So both of those still exist. The quid pro quo stuff is sort of the Mad Men era days that I didn't think until I started talking to women that it was still a comes as it is. But unfortunately, um, it is the case, especially in food service. I talked to someone who worked on a horse farm. And, you know, it's sort of non-traditional workplace environments where you don't necessarily have the company culture and the compliance training and the meetings about diversity and this sort of stuff um, where the sort of old school way of doing things still reigns.
2: Claire, you you were just referring to somebody working on a horse farm. I was curious to know what kinds of companies do or did these women work for?
0: They worked at everything from um, one woman worked at Google down to the horse farm to a coffee shop in California to, oh gosh, um, Washington, D.C. She works with politicians and a sitting politician put his hands between her legs in a meeting uh, one woman worked at the UN and had the High Commissioner for Refugees, who used to be the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, accost her in a meeting. She actually sued, but her case was thrown out because if you work at the UN, you have diplomatic immunity.
1: Wow. So, yeah, I was thinking maybe the quid pro quo stuff didn't happen in the office. It happened in these non traditional environments, but it sounds like. It yeah it really, really matter
0: it really just depends i mean it depends on the people uh, that you work with and how seriously your company takes it if and when something does happen i talked to a lot of employment experts both psychologists and legal experts who said you know essentially this is a cultural problem women experience this in all facets of their life and so if you're a company and you hire people of any sort of size you know if you have five people maybe you won't have this problem but if you get a hundred people all of the sort of ills of society eventually are going to come to you. So companies sort of have to act as if this is something that's out there. This does happen. What are we going to do about it when it does happen?
2: Have you noticed in your conversations with these women an evolution of sexual harassment? Or is it, in fact, very much the same as it was you were referring to the Mad Men era? Does it still take the same forms?
0: Yeah. I mean, essentially... The same stuff that happened in Mad Men is happening now. Um, It may be different levels. Maybe your industry, it's a bit different. Um, I think sort of in news media, the stuff that happened at Fox News is not common to other news media organizations. But that doesn't mean that Fox News was just the only place that that happened at all. And so I talked with some people who work at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and they investigate all Harassment complaints, and they said that while quid pro quo statistically isn't as common as it used to be, um, they are still dealing with pretty much everything, and they they have been dealing with everything. And I talked to a woman who was harassed in the 1980s. I talked to Anita Hill, who was harassed also in the 1980s, but came forward in the 90s. And I talked to women who are in their 20s who were just harassed a couple of years ago, and their stories are pretty much the same. The questions that they have are the same. The way that their employers dealt with it varied so drastically that. It's not guaranteed that you're going to be at a place that takes this seriously. So I'm not really sure that we've made as many strides as we think that we have.
1: I want to hear more about the employers. But before getting to that, it does seem that perception has changed, though. Like you were saying, we think things have improved. I think that I work in a better workplace environment, not just here, but anywhere I'll work is better than Mad Men. I mean, is that perception completely wrong or has like harassment changed its form, changed a little bit?
0: Well, so I also felt that way. I, you know, have been fortunate enough to not have been blatantly harassed at work. But I will say that when I started asking people about this, I got a flood of responses unlike anything that I have ever gotten for any other story that I've worked on to the point where I had childhood friends, very close friends telling me these stories and not all of them are. You know, my boss said, sleep with me or I'm going to fire you. A lot of them were things like one woman said, you know, when she worked at her IT help desk in college. So she's, you know, early 20s. The actual, like, fully employed full-time workers there were older men. They would come and, like, snap her bra and harass her a little bit. But it was kind of minor. But she complained about it. And they just said, you know, do you want us to fire them? We're not going to fire them. So... It's not quite necessarily, you know, Joan on Mad Men having to sleep with someone in order to get the promotion and become a partner, but it still happened, and that was only a few years ago. And to be clear,
1: that's still illegal. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, what they should have done is fire them. Right. (laughs) I mean, we know that, but I I do think there's this perception of if you're not going as far as the most horrible thing, then it's okay, Right. and it's not. Right. Legally...
0: There are a number of different ways that this goes, but essentially, if it is someone in a position of, of power, your superior, your manager, or whatever, and they harass you, that is pretty much just legally, that's cut and dry. If it's coworker on coworker, it ranges whether or not you had complained about it, if you had made your boss or HR manager or someone aware of it, and it depends on exactly what it was. You know, if it's one comment here, courts don't consider that hostile. Um, it has to be pervasive. So it has to be regularly for a while. Um, there isn't a time limit on what is a while, but it has to be, you know, not just like, oh, I heard this off-color remark and I don't like it, which I think is, is good because otherwise we hear a lot of off-color things in all sorts of capacities and <laughs> that could get pretty dangerous.
2: Uh, Becca, you referred to this earlier, but I'll I'll ask it now. If you could tell us a little bit about how some of these employers did respond to the complaints, to the actions, and and what were some good examples? What were some really lousy examples?
0: I think one of the better examples was a woman who's an animator at a major um, Hollywood studio. And she had been repeatedly asked out on dates to the point where when she would say no, he would still say Not just let's go for coffee, but let's go on a hot air balloon ride and let's have a candlelit dinner. And he tricked her once into going out to dinner with him when he said it was going to be a big group of people. And then she showed up at the restaurant. It was just him. He sent her flowers. It went on and on and on. So she told her manager. And she herself at the time wasn't sure what she should be doing. She wasn't sure if that was allowed or not allowed or if she was... She was like, am I blowing this out of proportion? I don't know. And, and he said, absolutely not. Um, he should not be doing this sort of stuff if you have expressed no interest. And so they talked to him, and then it completely stopped. But he is still at that company. And she doesn't necessarily work with him every day, but she does sometimes here and there and just mostly, you know, deals with that.
1: Yeah, I think part of the problem is some people will hear that story and say, is that harassment? I don't know. And, yeah, it's comforting to hear a company say, yes, that is you should not have to experience that at work.
0: Right. And they talked to him and he stopped it. And if he hadn't had stopped it, maybe they would talk to him again or they would take some sort of formal level of punishment that they didn't have to step in and do. So it really depends on exactly what is going on. Um, That's why I sort of liked her story so much is because in some ways it was benign and you could be confused, but also, if you tell someone to stop bothering you, and they still bother you, and she said he would email her all day long every day, and she just didn't feel very comfortable, you should also have someone at work be able to step in and say, actually, this isn't how you want to work, right? I mean, she wouldn't like to be at that company. Maybe she right. wouldn't be there if they hadn't done anything.
2: Certainly. I mean, if somebody tries to talk to you at a bar, you know, you can either tell them to buzz off or leave yourself, and then you're done. Right. But an office is a place people are going to continue to show up in and work in. And you have, you can't just not go.
0: Yeah. Well, and this was like her first big job at a major, major studio. And so this is a woman who'd worked her whole life wanting to be an animator, like went to grad school, did all this sort of stuff. And then gets there. And then this happens. And what, is she just going to quit? I mean, so I liked that. That worked out well. I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff.
1: Um, yeah. What was an example of, of a company not handling it well? What does that look like? for the woman?
0: Well, the most tragic one was a young woman just out of law school. She got a job at a boutique litigation firm in Manhattan, and she went out to dinner with the partners, and one of them made a comment that because he was paying for her dinner, she should give him a job. She was a summer intern and felt kind of weird about it, but it was just this one comment. Um, and so when the firm offered her a job, she accepted it. She didn't think she was going to be working directly with him, but surprised, they reorganized, she's going to be working directly with him. And so those types of comments became her daily life um, almost immediately, where she was told, you know, to dress sort of scantily for hearings so that she could be eye candy for the judge. Her body was commented on all the time. He actually asked her to have sex with him, and she said no. He told her at some point that he wasn't sure that he could recommend her for a bonus. And then they should, um, this was at their holiday party, that they should go back up to the office and talk about it. Um, They ended up having sex. It's sort of unclear to me, based on the lawsuit, how that completely played out. And so she only worked there for three months before it got that bad that quickly. And she went to work for two days afterwards, um, which sort of blows my mind. And then she realized she couldn't do it anymore, and she quit. She went home to Nebraska and got a job, and as soon as she got a job, she sued. And the law firm uh, counter-sued her for fifteen million dollars, alleging all these things. They eventually dropped the countersuit. She won one hundred forty thousand dollars in her sexual harassment lawsuit, um, which is actually fairly low considering what had happened to
1: her. Right. Yeah. Uh, hearing you tell the story, it was interesting to hear you say when he made that first remark that she thought it was kind of weird. I'm using air quotes because right. that's very
2: weird. That's not <laughs> yeah. Super. <fun. laughs> Weird. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, that is not normal from someone you work with, especially to a summer intern.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh. No, no, hold
2: up, hold up. To to anybody. To anybody. Sorry, (laughs) to
0: anybody. Right. Well, (laughs) and, you know, it's, it's, it's been hard reporting this because i just want people to tell me what their experiences were and what their thought process was at the time and oftentimes these women have now in hindsight been like what was i thinking what was i doing but she'd never had a job before she was coming from the south had never lived in new york before not that new yorkers talk like that at all but like everything is new to her like this is her first summer job she's going to be a lawyer this is just some after work dinner drinks thing she's totally offended but doesn't really know what to do about it. Up happens when the power and potential of every employee and leader in your workforce is released. And Cornfairy can get you there by aligning your people to your strategy, attracting, developing, engaging, and rewarding them to reach new heights. With Cornfairy, you get a partner who truly understands people, leadership, and the new landscape of work. A partner who knows how to take your business up. Learn more at cornfairycom up.
2: Well, I wanted to ask you Claire because I know that um in addition to your conversations with these women, you've also been working on some ancillary material including studies and examinations as to why women don't speak up and and the psychology behind that and some of the professional issues as well. Can you Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, I think, a very benign and honest question that people have whenever someone comes forward. Because when you, if you think about the stories that you've heard in the news, it's always, let's take Anita Hill, for example, came forward in 1991. The harassment that she was alleging happened in the 80s. She'd never said anything publicly at the time. It turned out that she had told her friends, which actually helped her story very much. But she didn't come forward then. Gretchen Carlson clearly had been experiencing this sort of stuff for a while. Megan Kelly has just come forward and said exactly what happened to her with Roger Ailes 10 years ago. And so there is this natural reaction to like, well, why, if this is so awful, didn't you do something about this? I would do something about this. I would definitely, I would quit. I would report this. I would, you know, whatever. And sometimes that's used to discredit people when they come forward. And sometimes it's just a really honest question. And so... Um, I started talking to psychologists, and there was a very good study in 2001 where these psychologists interviewed women about what they would do if they were sexually harassed in a job interview. And they said, I would get really mad, and I would refuse to answer the questions, and I wouldn't accept the job, and all this sort of stuff. And then they actually harassed them in a job interview situation. The, the psychologist didn't, they hired someone to do it, but you know, he asked them questions like, do you find yourself sexually desirable? Do you think it's important for women to wear bras to work? Um, which was a bizarre question, but that's the type of weird stuff people say, I guess. Do you have a boyfriend in what they thought were real job interviews? And every single woman answered the questions and sat through the entire job interview. And then later when they asked them about it, they said they weren't angry, what they felt instead was fear. So they just were trying to get out of the situation, just sort of survive
1: it, I suppose. So the theory behind why people might not report it is that they're just scared. Yeah, essentially. Um, Which seems reasonable. Yeah. And also something we've been talking about before. You don't really know what to do. You don't know what counts as harassment. You don't know what recourse you have. That all seems like reasonable reasons that people wouldn't come forward.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, once you're out of the situation and the fear has sort of dissipated a little bit, then you sort of think it through and think sort of the woman who was asked out all the time, you know, am I making a big deal out of this? I don't even know. Or if it is your boss or something like that, what are the career ramifications of me trying to to say anything? Well, do I work at a company that will take this seriously? Is this person in charge of the entire company or news organization or... Um, in the case of the horse farm, he his wife owns a horse farm. So and right. stuff like that.
2: We've all sat through really terribly produced videos about how not to yes. sexually harass people. <laughs> That's something else that you looked at, right?
0: Yeah. In um, doing this story, I the first thing that came to mind was the fact that I've sat through so many, you know, quote unquote compliance videos, and I've never understood necessarily what their point is. Uh, Because I figure if you're someone who's inclined to do this sort of stuff, sitting through a slideshow isn't going to change you. Whoa. I know. (laughs)
2: Oh, I shouldn't do that anymore.
0: (laughs) I can't just grab people I work with. I had no idea.
2: Uh, Thanks, slideshow. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, And then if you are not inclined to do it, you already sort of know that. And so what is this necessarily doing? Um, Some of it is very good. It's educational in terms of you know, what the actual policies are, how you can come forward if something happens to you, here's the hotline to call or whatever. But when I started talking to lawyers, employment lawyers, they said again and again, well, the point of these videos or training courses isn't necessarily to stop the harassment. It's to... Prove that they have told all of their employees what the law is. So it's more legal compliance risk management than it is actually like,
1: hey, we're going to make sure that no one in our company grabs no one else in the company. And so if the company is taking this position where they are doing this to protect themselves, now that we know this, that also makes it really hard to want to come forward. Like whose interests does the company have in mind?
0: Yeah, well, it depends on where you work, right? So if you work at a company that you know, the the Hollywood studio that took the woman's complaint seriously, she trusted her manager to actually do something. And that didn't come from the compliance video. That came from the fact that she knew her manager. She knew the sort of atmosphere of where she worked, you know, what they valued, what they didn't. And she felt comfortable coming forward. Whereas maybe if you had worked at, you know, Fox News, it seems like there were a number of women who didn't come forward for a very long time because they didn't feel that their complaints would be taken seriously. You know, Fox has the same no tolerance policy for harassment, the same hotline to call, all that sort of stuff is in place. But you have to actually feel that that is going to happen if you come forward.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. This was really interesting and at times sad, but I hope that we all learned something. So talking to Claire was depressing. Yes, Sexual harassment still happens, happens in all types of jobs and in ways that are clearly appalling. Yep.
2: And in many ways, no different than what was happening 10, 20, 30 years ago.
1: Yeah. And the only, maybe, one good difference is that now people are talking about it.
2: Which is what they're going to have to continue to do. Yes. We're all going to have to continue to do it.
1: Yeah. And now for some lighter fare, it's time for Half Big Takes. Half-baked takes. Sam, what is your not-quite-fully-formed opinion this week?
2: All right. So when you're walking through, like, a crowd of people, or if you sort of come to a near collision with somebody, what do you say? Um, you might say, excuse me. Or you might say, pardon me. I find those to be kind of passive-aggressive. I'm never quite clear if you're saying that in an apologetic fashion or... Or in more of a like, excuse me, like you deserve the right of way.
1: Or like, you need to excuse me.
2: Right, because it's a command. Excuse me.
1: Yeah. Pardon me. Yeah.
2: So I really feel like all you can say is, I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry that I was looking at my phone and not paying attention to the world around me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought I'd try to do a positive half big take this week. What? (laughs) And my half fake take is that I hear a lot of complaining about like meaningless workplace chit-chat, such as asking how your weekend was. And you know what? I try to make a point to ask people how their weekend was because I care. I, I don't know, like I don't know what I care means, but I enjoy that conversation. I sure. think it's a nice way to talk to somebody.
2: You can learn a little something about them.
1: Yeah, we sit really close to each other here at Bloomberg. That's right. So, you know, ask someone about how, just how they're doing. Yep. And this has been half big Ticks. Half, half big, big takes. Thank you for listening to Game Plan. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at rzgreenfield
2: and I'm at sam grobart.
1: And if you like this show, you can head on over to iTunes and rate and review and subscribe.
2: Game Plan is produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Alec McCabe. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
0: Get the most from your people and send your business soaring with Corn Fairy. From executive search to talent strategy, leadership development, rewards, and succession planning, Corn Fairy knows up is more than a direction. It's your future. Learn more at cornfairy.com slash up.